welcome to the Hey Have You Seen podcast, where every episode I watch a movie that I have never seen before and give you my thoughts on it. This is season one, episode four, and I am your host, Heather. This is the real episode four, because last episode was really three, and I already can't keep track, which does not bode well for the future. Thank you for sticking with me, even though I have so far not had a consistent uploading schedule. I am trying to get myself into a rhythm, but my work schedule changes weekly and makes it really difficult for me. Just know that I'm trying. This episode, I am going to be talking about 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't know anything about this movie, but I regularly get the shocked, you've never seen this, reaction from people about it. I have heard people say this movie is based on a play by Shakespeare, so I'm going to have to look up which one because there is no way I'm going to be able to guess it. I remember having to read Romeo and Juliet in high school and thinking that play was dumb and fudging all other Shakespeare assignments from then on. Sorry to the multiple people in my family who are or have been English teachers. Ooh, our first matching critic and audience score, only 69%. Which for the strength of the reaction I get for this movie, I expected it to be much higher. Description says, Kat Stratford is beautiful, smart, and quite abrasive to most of her fellow teens, meaning that she doesn't attract many boys. Unfortunately for her younger sister, Bianca, House rules say that she can't date until Kat has a boyfriend, so strings are pulled to set the dour damsel up for romance. Soon Kat crosses paths with handsome new arrival Patrick Verona. Will Kat let her guard down enough to fall for the effortlessly charming Patrick? Seems like a super weird rule that your younger kid can't date until the older one does. Just tell Bianca she can't date until college or something. Or, like a more reasonable person who knows if you tell their kid they can't date someone, it probably means they'll do it behind your back. You set boundaries and create a supportive environment for your kids so they can learn what is healthy versus unhealthy in their relationships. Just a thought. However, I'm not a parent, so I guess I can't say what will or will not work. But this no dating until your older sister does rule definitely will not work. The no dating until high school rule also probably will not work. I myself had this rule and definitely had a quote unquote boyfriend in middle school who I broke up with because I was terrified that my parents were going to find out somehow. Shout out to you, Cameron. Anyway, this seems like a high school hijinks movie, but time to watch the trailer and find out. Okay, so I like this cat character so far. Maybe not the straight-up mean energy she gives off in parts of this trailer, but I genuinely believe more women could use a little heinous witch energy every now and then. And I was right about the dating rule. Good for me. Obviously, it doesn't work or there would be no movie. I am cautiously optimistic about this movie based on the trailer. Now it is time for me to go and watch this movie to see if my optimism is well-placed. My optimism was not well-placed. This movie is so strange. Honestly, I could just end the episode there. Weird movie. Nobody seems to be acting like a normal person. Don't need to watch it. I truly don't even know where to start. I guess at the beginning, I enjoyed the title sequence with the quick shift in songs from One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies to Bad Reputation by Joan Jett when you see Kat for the first time. That's a fun way to set up her character, although I don't understand why Kat rips down the prom poster. Girl, if you don't want to go to prom, that's totally fine. I didn't go either, but people are allowed to enjoy things. 
Now we move on to a baby-faced Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the guidance counselor's office, and look, I have no problem with this lady wanting to write an erotic novel. You go, girl. You can make so much money writing things like that, but maybe don't do it with a student in your office? That seems inappropriate. She also seems to just be a terrible guidance counselor in general who does not care about these kids at all. Then we get the classic high school movie scene where somebody is introducing the new kid to all the different cliques. Unlike most high school movies, this school has a lot of random groups like the Coffee Kids, White Rasta, Future MBAs, and Cowboys. Yes, you heard me correctly, a cowboy clique who is lassoing trash cans in the courtyard when they pass. Amazing. Why did my high school have a cowboy clique? Then... Boom! Perfect slow motion shot of Bianca walking past and Cameron, who starts instantly proclaiming his affection for her while being told she is totally off limits. Because it is a widely known fact that high schoolers want to follow the rules set by all parents, especially other people's parents, so these girls having an uptight father who made a no dating rule would definitely be respected by every single boy in this school with no questions asked up until this point. Yep, yep, yep. That is definitely how real people act. Moving right along to this first classroom scene where Kat makes a comment about Hemingway being a terrible person, which he was, and then random hot guy number one decides to attack Kat's personal character because of it. Kat continues to make valid points about how female writers are not often a part of school curriculums and then gets kicked out of class for no apparent reason. Don't get me wrong, this teacher is also making valid points about how black authors are not taught in schools, but I still don't understand why he is kicking Kat out of class. This seems like the kind of conversation you would want in your classroom to help open up your students' minds to other ways of thinking, but whatever. And then later he kicks out Kat again for just asking a legitimate question about an assignment. Why, dude? Just going to skip over another scene with the worst guidance counselor ever and straight on to random hot guy number one and bro being super gross about Bianca, and then Cameron also being gross about Bianca but framed in a way we are supposed to think he is the nice guy. Fun fact, you can just be whelmed. You can be overwhelmed, underwhelmed, and just plain whelmed. You don't even have to be in Europe. You are so welcome for this information. I truly do not understand why this scene where Michael goes zooming off a large hill on his scooter is in this movie. It literally adds nothing to the movie. Just a random sequence that never comes up again. On to the tranquil Stratford house where Kat and her father have an amazing couplet of dialogue where he asks Kat if she's made anyone cry today and she replies, Sadly, no, but it's only 4.30. Huh, love it. This is probably my favorite bit of dialogue from this entire movie. Now we have to sit through some very standard family dynamic stuff, like kid wants to go to college far away and parent is scared, and siblings fight over who is a loser, and father tries to scare daughters away from dating instead of having a real conversation about relationships and sex. And we finally get to the plot of this film, being that Cameron is going to try to find someone to date Kat so that he can go out with Bianca. Instead of just doing the I have to study for French class by eating the cuisine with my tutor tactic that Cameron comes up with, or the tactic that actual kids use every day, the I'm going to hang out with my friend so-and-so but are actually hanging out with someone else entirely. This was filmed way before parents could track you with cell phones, so I'm not sure why this very easy workaround was not considered. Oh. Right, because then there would be no point to this movie. Hmm. So now Cameron and Michael set out to find someone to date Kat and finally settle on Patrick, the mysterious bad boy. Let's just listen to all the rumors that have been made up about this kid. Number one, he lit a state trooper on fire. Number two, he did a year in San Quentin. 
Number three, he sold his liver on the black market to pay for a new set of speakers. Number four, he ate a live duck, everything but the beak and the feet. Number five, he had a porn career. Number six, he knows Marilyn Manson. And number seven, he slept with a Spice Girl. These are wild, absolutely bonkers. Just as bonkers as sitting down at a table full of people you don't really know and immediately reaching for their food like Michael does to try and talk to random hot guy number one who's apparently named Joey. And did I miss out on peach fruit roll-ups? I'm a little upset if these were actually a thing and I never got to try one. I still like a good fruit roll-up every now and then, but I digress. Let's talk about how there is no way these guys would be allowed to hit golf balls in the direction of other students. No possible way. For exactly the reason the movie shows, that coach that got hit in the head has a horrible head injury and is definitely suing the school. Quick jump because it's relevant here and I don't feel like revisiting this thought later when the actual scene happens. This is also true for archery. So little safety precautions are taken and that poor gym teacher gets shot in the butt. So back to the plot. Joey pays Patrick to go out with Kat, and this is obviously a terrible idea, and I feel like I don't have to talk about that much, but it does lead to some delightful verbal sparring between Kat and Patrick that I really enjoyed. Next nonsensical part of the movie, Joey parks his car in the middle of the road? Like, just gets out of his car and leaves it there? I get he's trying to annoy Kat, and if he had been idling behind her for a few minutes to make sure she couldn't leave, that would be super rude, but make more sense. But if he didn't get hit by Cat, he was definitely going to get hit by someone else. Or Toad. I don't understand what Joey thought was going to happen here. And instead of hitting him, Cat definitely could have called to have him towed away for a parking violation, which would have been a major headache for Joey and had no consequences for Cat. After this, the movie goes straight into yet another easily avoidable situation. Because how is it possible that nobody at this entire school asked Bogey about the party before it happens? Or that Bogey doesn't see one of these flyers going around? Don't even get me started on how this party actually comes to life. A giant swarm of teenagers all show up at this guy's house at the same time without any of the neighbors calling the police. And then these kids manage to swarm in and set up several kegs in a DJ booth with speakers in about 30 seconds flat? I don't think so. Quick note, you do not need to keep people awake after a head injury. You should probably take them to get checked out by a doctor, but you don't have to keep someone awake for hours and hours after hitting their head or wake them up after every couple hours to see if they can wake up. If someone needs that level of intense monitoring, they should just be in a hospital anyway. Jumping back to a scene, I had a big laugh at Bianca finding one pair of black underwear that appears to be a normal, plain pair of everyday underwear and is acting as if she has found the holy grail. It's not like she found a lacy g-string or a candy bra or an actual set of lingerie in that drawer. Nope one pair of regular underpants and she decides to make a crazy claim about her sister here. That wouldn't even be super crazy of an assumption outside of this context. Kat is about to go off to college and I'm sure she does want to have sex at some point in her life. Most people do. Not all people, but most, including our skeevy little friend Cameron here, as he uncomfortably asks Bianca to see her room, as Bianca acts like they are not totally violating Kat's privacy by being in hers. Another thing to point out here, how did Bianca get Cameron upstairs? If their father has such strict rules about dating outside of the house, I seriously doubt boys are allowed into the house, especially not in his precious daughter's bedrooms. But their dad also seems to be gone a lot as an on-call OBGYN, so why doesn't Bianca just date secretly when he's gone? Oh, the plot of the movie again? Right. Then a bunch of stuff happens and none of it really matters until Patrick does his big song in the bleachers for Cat. 
Very cute. I seriously doubt a bunch of high school kids could coordinate something like that so fast, but I am willing to suspend my believability here because I guess that could happen. Heath Ledger is also just so fun to watch on screen and does such a good job of playing this role. What I am not willing to suspend my belief for is that Cat flashed a teacher and there were zero consequences or counseling sessions after that. There is no way. But paintballs looks incredibly fun and if anybody can tell me where I can go and do that, I'm, I'm super in. The side plot of Michael trying to impress Kat's friends Mandela by quoting Shakespeare after learning she is in love with Shakespeare and then buying her a medieval dress to ask her to prom while also saying he'll be dressed up is very sweet. I think it's supposed to be a joke about both of them being weird, but I found this very endearing. Michael likes her enough to just lean into what she likes without caring what anybody else will think. Speaking of dresses, Kat has never wanted to go to prom. How does she have a prom dress ready to go when she decides to go the night of? I can believe that Bianca has been secretly hiding one in her closet as a just-in-case, but there's no freaking way Kat has a dress like that just hanging in her closet. Which I guess they do address in the movie with a short conversation between Patrick and Kat, but I'm still not buying it. Bianca punching Joey in the face was amazing. I was not expecting that, and I rewatched that part three times. Then the movie wraps up super fast. Cat finds out about the money and is very upset. Cat learns she's going to the college she wants. Cat very bravely reads a heartfelt poem in front of the whole class. And then Cat and Patrick make up and make out. The end. All in the last 10 minutes of a 90 minute movie. You couldn't have stretched out the resolution a little more? Not a satisfying ending at all. So this is loosely based off of the play The Taming of the Shrew, which makes Michael's throwaway line at the beginning, oh, just a minor encounter with the shrew, kind of funny, even if the actual play by Shakespeare is horrible. It's literally a play about abusing women into submission. I don't feel like reading or writing an essay on how this movie relates or deviates from that source material, so I'm going to leave it there. I had to rewatch this movie already to make this podcast because the first time I saw it, I was so lost, but I hope I never have to watch this again. Thank you for joining me this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it, or at least not too mad at me for probably disliking your favorite movie. As always, I am so sorry not sorry about that. Please don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with your people, write me a review, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at heyhaveyouseen underscore, or send me an email at heyhaveyouseenpod at gmail.com. Have a lovely, wonderful, fantastic day, and join me next time for yet another movie that I have not seen. 